Welcome to the Incredibly Boring Bookworms Chronicles of Mayhem podcast. I'm Veruca C. Elliott. And I'm Rosalie Viper. I grew up in a strange, haunting town that follows me everywhere I go. It creeps into my stories, my dreams, like black tingling fingers intertwining till they blot out the light. I never feared the darkness, even when I lived in it. And every time I pick up a pen, or in this case, strike a keyboard, the essence of that place pours out my hands and onto the pages. As I've continued to work with my co-author, Veruca, on Coven of the Court Sisters, our ambitions grew beyond paper. The drive to bring three incredibly different characters to life, to join them hand in hand, and lock them into an eternal family, has been our passion for the past year. The ever-evolving adventures and perspectives of our characters and world have been the pinnacle of our writing together. The podcast, a peek into our minds, both together and separate. Our story was created to empower everyone to stand up for themselves and others against bullying, to recognize that even if we come from other worlds, a happy home, or a very disturbed one, we are all equal. I'd like to start off this podcast with uh, my first short story. It's called TV in the Woods. Ringlet again, but this time I wasn't alone. Emma was with me. Something was a little off. The colors of the world were dark, as if my eyes were fused with sunglasses, a tint I had never seen before, but it wasn't as unsettling as I expected it to be. No, it was just a little strange. And everything was the same. The world still full of color as I had expected it to be. It took me a moment to settle myself, to remember what I was doing. Looking around, I noticed Emma was laughing as she ran like a kid does in one's backyard. I remembered. We were playing in the backyard as I began to follow her lead. She ran. Decided to run off into the woods to the left of the house. The woods we used to slay ride down before they built that horrible haunting house. The greenery of what forest was left swallowed her whole, and as if lead lined my shoes, I walked slowly towards the land that seemed so unwelcoming at that moment. Once I broke through the threshold where grass ended and dirt began, I noticed the shimmering of something before me. As I approached, my heart sank, and partially eaten by the dark, menacing dirt was an old discarded TV, its glass sparkling up at me. And before I could reach out to touch it, to make sure it was really there, I turned to see the small footsteps of my little three-year-old niece running towards me. My mind did nothing, just froze as I watched Emma skip over roots and rocks and leap right into the black screen of the sunken television. Too shocked to think, I instinctively leaned forward, diving into the depths of the unknown after her, and where I ended up was nothing like what I expected. A gray and orange-colored world, void of happiness, flipped past my eyes as I fell to the ground. I landed softly, as if I had entered through a door instead of a hole in the sky. A wave of emptiness washed over me as I looked out to the landscape. Everything beneath the sky was gray. The buildings, the trees, and the tiny specks of moving things in the distance all emanated emptiness in shades of black and white. Everything but the sky itself. The sky was glowing orange, like the orange of a sunset, the only hint of color in view. There were clouds, and as I wandered forward, I noticed tons of people around, wandering with what seemed like no purpose. The world was set up in a way that a long wooden boardwalk was built in a U-shape around a large body of water. A town nestled atop the wooden planks with businesses, shops, and homes alike. But it all seemed fake, like it was a false backdrop divined by something otherworldly. The thought made my heart sink. Focus, I told myself. You need to find Emma. As I walked down the U-shaped village, people stood quietly and looked at each other. No one seemed to notice me as I pushed my way through them. I walked along the village, searching desperately for Emma amongst the crowds. She was small, and to find her, I needed to look where the legs of others were. Squatting, I looked for her, but to no avail. 
Sadness washed over me, and a faint tingle of fear did too. I walked and walked along the U-shaped boardwalk, desperately hoping to find her. My legs tired, and ahead I saw a set of bleachers. I scanned them quickly. Maybe she too had tired and was resting on them. But she wasn't, and instead of seeing the petite, smiling child I so desperately searched for, I noticed Scott sitting halfway up them instead. Scott, I yelled to him, excited to see someone I knew. Scott, what are you doing here? What is this place? Hey, he responded, no tone in his voice. This is where I live now. What? Here? But it's so gray. You're so gray, so ghostly, I replied, part of me completely unaware that I had not seen him since his death, but the other knowing this was not where he was meant to be. Well, um, have you seen Emma? She came here, and I can't find her anywhere. No, said Scott. Okay, well, can you help me find her? You know this place better than me. I would, but I can't leave. What do you mean? Come on. I'm not leaving here. I'm just looking for her, I replied. I can't. I can't leave, he repeated, my mind confused and agitated that he wasn't listening to me. I don't get it. Come on. I'm not leaving. I'm just going to look for her around this, this place. What are you trying to really say? I asked again, trying to get as much information as I could from him. I can't leave the bleachers. I'm forced to stay here. It's one of my punishments, he replied. Well, that's ridiculous. What do you mean you can't leave the bleachers? I didn't let him say anything else before I grabbed his hand. Of course you can leave them. Let's go. Dragging Scott off the bleachers, I brought him around to look for Emma with me, and something inside him had changed. The dorky smile had came back, and although he was still gray and ghostly, I could feel his life returning to him. He was so happy to not be sitting on those bleachers anymore. He started telling me about where we were. It isn't so bad, he said. But you can't be here. This is a place for the dead, not the living. Hearing him, but not necessarily paying much mind to what he said, I caught sight of her in the distance and began running. I zigzagged through people as quickly as I could, shoving the monotonous beings that littered the land before me. I finally grabbed hold of her. Scott took her from my arms. It's not safe, he repeated. We need to bring you both back. As the words left his lips, we moved quickly back to the other end of the U-shaped boardwalk. You need to leave quickly. A rumbling shook the wooden boards beneath us, like thunder shook the sky. My heart sank, but I refused to turn around just yet. As we continued through the crowds of the dead, the roaring steps of something large laddened. Something in that land had noticed us, and we weren't supposed to be there. I'll teach you a lesson for entering this world, his booming, earthquaking voice echoed through the gray and spectral world. Scott, still holding Emma, began running to where we entered with her in his arms. I ran after them. The giant gray monster with clubbed hands and elephant-sized feet ran after us. Each step shook the ground, and each ghostly person that walked along the boardwalk purposely stepped in our way. I could see something glittering in the distance, the exit. As we approached, Scott handed Emma to me. Jump into the elevator, he said. Quick! A gold set of elevator doors appeared before us, our reflections shining in them as we stood before it. The roar of the giant screamed out, and Emma sunk her head into my shoulder. Ding! The door slid open and I stepped inside, clicking the only available button as rapidly as I could. Scott, st Scott stood outside, protecting us from the ghastly giant as it approached. I yelled to Scott, aren't you coming? He turned, the same old smile spreading across his gray, gaunt face. I can't, he yelled back. I'm not allowed back there anymore. This is where I live now. The door slid shut and as, I quickly, as quickly as I blinked, my eyes opened to the forest just outside my house. As I sat on my knees just before the sunken TV, I gazed into its mirror-like glass. I was back in the woods of Ringwood, and the boy I missed for so many years gazed back at me from behind it. Thanks, I said lovingly. 
So what sparked that? You talk about dreams, kind of creating stories. Was it a dream? It was. Did you write this one? Yeah. It happened probably maybe three or four years after my one of my best friends died. And every so often he would come and show himself in them. And it randomly sparked a like kind of creepy feeling of like, oh, is he in this weird spectral place? And That's so, really cool. Yeah. So it was just a random dream that I wrote down and then changed into a story. Does he come up up in other stories of yours? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd say he's probably in a lot of them. His name might not be Scott in them, but... It shows up with different names. Yeah, and... for sure. Very yeah. cool. So I'm Veruca C. Elliott, and there, we have written a million words between Rosalie and myself. Um, and I discovered my love for writing when I was about nine. I used to write in notebooks or on my mother's antique green typewriter. And I had a bookshelf that was filled with books that I would organize and reorganize lovingly. I fell in love with the classics first. When others moaned about reading Charles Dickens or Jane Eyre, I reveled in it. And I discovered The Catcher in the Rye at a garage sale, and I devoured its pages. And it's what sparked the desire to become a writer. I read a ton of young adult fantasy fiction, and everything always has some type of romance laced beneath it. Um, it doesn't need to be perfect and all-consuming kind of love, but it needs to make me want to turn the pages. And I write in pretty much anything. It depends on my mood. Young adult, fantasy, flash, micro, poetry, short stories, novels, you name it. And with our podcast, I think you'll get to get the understanding that uh, we kind of write in anything. And it can come from fantasy to something very dark to who names it. So the first one I'm going to read is a flash fiction piece. And it's called September's Blackened Heart. And I wrote this piece um, several years ago. I wrote it, um, I used to take classes at the Writers Village in University. And a sentence was the one that sparked this story. Ah, September, the sweetest time of the year. Heat from the diminishing sun is chased home in exchange for the crisp, clean air of fall. It is when I fantasize of trees that drip blood red, pearlized gold, and burnt burgundy, in woods soon swallowed whole by Father Time. Soon leaves will take flight in search of the hardening ground and form a moist blanket to house scurrying critters who wish to beat the ensuing snowfall. I bow to scoop a palm full of rocks. They plink against each other as they tumble to the floor of my cavernous pockets. Their weight tugs at the worn wool and threatens to yank my skirt to the dirt cake floor. I smear dirty palms on my skirt and watch as a red corduroy sky swivels and gasps until its shades are a moody brown and black. With arms raised above, I clamp my jaw and grip my teeth. Thoughts consume me. They whirl and spin, a menacing cyclone. It threatens to gulp and swallow my most primitive beliefs. A chant rises in my throat as wind lashes my auburn strands. The thick, the thick strands whirl and whip my face as if planning to heave and carry me in the claws of a cloaked bird. Please let him be lost. Let him not find me. My heart crashes into my ribcage. It threatens to expose me, but I continue to chant. I envision his portly face and neck and pray my spell will work. I have no other choice. It must. A fresh rawness punches my freckled cheeks and sends quivers down my spine. I imagine him across the expanse, hovering in a thicket of woods, his enormous eyes hunting for signs of my betrayal as I run from his clutches. But I will not let him find me. I am smarter than he could ever conceive, and I know how to conceal my presence. Leaves detach themselves from tangled homes as they swirl and swish the frazzled air. They cause a raucous so garish I search for gigantic flocks of birds 
who choose to swarm and envelop me in great wings as if to guard me. I dare to open my eyes, only to hastily close them as I realize the leaves encompass me in their dirty binding. My concentration and imagination lure him into a blistering storm as the coarse winds yank and jerk his extremities and blind his eyes. I foresee his filthy beard tug and scratch his plump face, demanding independence from his disgusting mouth as two huge ears protrude from his naked head. Belda, his spiteful voice drips with copious contempt. Damn it, no, I mutter the chant and open my eyes. Soft sheepskin conceals my petite hands. It cloaks my arms and body and shelters me from the debris spinning and twirling in the dense air. He has found me. And with the slightest of diversions, I fail my concentration and watch as vibrant leaves plummet like miniature droplets of rain in a year's early storm. I tilt my head and eye him, lurking mere yards from me. His mammoth left hand clutches a dagger. It drips with rainbow-colored jewels, and if I dared to look closer, I would surely witness its sheen of blood from its last lay. Belda, you are forbidden to leave this forest. By the order of the law of Ramunda, you are hereby sworn to sudden death. His sneer exposes yellow, rotting teeth. They match his decaying eyes. <laughs> Was all I will allow him. I dissect every plausible conclusion as words fire off and spin within my mind. Even the slightest distraction could cause him to lose focus, even for a minute. And I need only half as much time to slay him. Heavy tan boots stomp the leaf-ridden floor. Their soles clomp and smash the leaves with such force, I know I have only seconds to decide his fate, as well as mine. A thin gray bug scuttles across a bright maple leaf, a crow cause, and as the fool diverts his eyes to search the bird's whereabouts, I whirl round. My hair and skirt swish around me as I dash. My thin legs punk swiftly beneath the crimson fabric. Its scratchiness burnishes my knees. He is larger and stronger than me but the vulgar huffing of his breath reminds me he is no match. I lift my arms and begin to chant. Tree limbs scrape my exposed face as their spindly arms extends to seize me. I snatch a heavy branch and wrench it sideways. It surely maddens as it witnesses its own limbs ripped from its spine. The monster skids to a halt as I twirl around. Hundreds of leaves swoop and dive as his gargantuan body plunges through the mound. I glare at his milky eyes as I condemn him to death and bury the blunt edge of my rod into his blackened heart. Nice. A lot of color. <laughs> There's a lot of color in that, and a lot of trees in that, in my style. I love the trees and the leaves. Yes. Yeah, you too. described them a lot. Um, does that link with any of your other stories at all? No, actually, it's a standalone piece, um, and I tend to like to write splash pieces that are a little bit more darker. Depth is kind of interlaced with other things in there, so... Um, you'll notice a lot of my pieces are like that because I want a swift ending to things. Whereas yeah, I want to end it quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are you going to read for us next? All right, the next one is called Running to the Doorway. The humus beneath my feet crunched so loudly I thought the whole world could hear where I was headed. My heart raced as I zigzagged through the trees of the green deciduous forest, dry after a long drought. The ground shook as if an earthquake struck the world. He was following me. I swallowed hard, hoping that I could slow time enough to outmaneuver him. I just need to find the doorway home, I whispered aloud to myself as I panted. I can't, I can sense it nearby. The thudding of his footsteps could be felt as he hunted me. I was just another pawn in his desire for power. I needed to think quickly. How could I outsmart him? Off to my left, I could see a white birch tree, alone in the vast forest of oaks and maples. I blinked at it noticing its shape change from a white tree to 
the form of a white bear standing on its hind legs. The door, I said aloud. He's too close, though. Need to direct him away from the opening. I stopped immediately and turned back to face the demonic being I once called my doctor. I bent down onto one knee, brushed aside the dead leaves and sticks, and placed my hand upon the dry brown dirt. Dropping the folder of my ailments to the ground below, it opened, revealing the same lines I had read over and over again. Delusional time perception. Shut up, I said to no one as I tried to focus on stopping the beast that hunted me. The thudding of its footsteps were close and much louder than before. I could smell the sulfur in the air around me. Five more steps and I could stop him. My hands tingled and I raised my free one to the sky, pointing it up to the tops of the trees surrounding me. The wind gently blew across my skin. I clenched my hand into the dirt, grabbing a handful of, its, of it and snapped my fingers. I threw the handful of dirt upwards, watching it slowly move itself up. Time had slowed. I stood, smelling the air, trying to find the direction of the sulfur. Time wouldn't stay that way for very long. Taping a, taking a deep breath, I closed my eyes. He, it, was coming from my right. I opened my eyes, and leaving the papers strewn across the forest floor, I walked in the direction of the foul stench. The pungent smell grew in thickness as I approached the appalling beast. I looked down to the floor, noticing a fist-sized pointed rock and smirked. Leaning over, I grabbed the sharp rock and began to run towards the scent of the doctor. A cloud of darkness rose around me. He was near. I climbed atop a boulder, hoping to take a vantage point. The darkness surrounding him was thick like molasses. It didn't, I didn't have much time before the world would revert back to normal, so with bated breath, I stood atop the boulder and watched closely. The dark, black cloud around him moved like fluid. Studying its motion, I noticed one of the large gray horns poke through the top of its barrier. I backed up, needing a running start, and leapt off the boulder to where I could see his horn. With all my might and body weight, I pushed the sharp rock in front of me and drove it through the thick cloud. As I physically pushed through the barrier, the black cloud parted, giving way to his terrifying body. Looking directly at me, his yellow eyes peered directly into my soul. You will not stop me, I whispered as a black fluid flowed past me. I flipped midair, placing my feet on front of me, landing on his broad, massive shoulders. I used all my strength to drive the sharp rock between his hollow yellow eyes. His head shifted backwards. Black blood spurted out from the wound. He began to slowly fall backwards. Time had not yet returned to normal. There was no waiting. I threw myself backwards off him, landing on the soft dirt beneath us. I ran back towards the white birch tree, knowing he would not be down for very long. I could see my papers, and without stopping, I reached down and grabbed them on my way to the door. The birch tree transformed itself into the white bear I had seen earlier. I approached it, stopping just before its massive wide body. Looking up to its face, I watched as it glared down at me. It moved its large paw instantly, and without any chance to react, it sunk its claws into my left kidney. I could feel its hot breath on my face as, I mo as it moved its mouth down towards my neck. Its other claw grabbed me by the throat, blood staining its beautiful white fur. I collapsed, going limp. Darkness swept over me as my eyes forced shut, but I was not quite lost to it yet. Walking on its hind legs, the bear carried my flaccid body towards what looked like a cave with an oak door guarding it. It was hard to focus. Fuzzy glimpses of the world flashed inside my head as I tried to open my eyes. The doorway opened. A hot light shone from behind it, hitting my face like sunlight. Unable to lift my arms to cover my face, we walked together into the smoldering, enveloping light, and as the mighty door shut behind us, the faint smell of sulfur wafted into my nostrils again, and as I forced open my eyes, everything shattered. 
So I just have to say that before we got together today, we did not tell each other what stories we were bringing. Mm -mm. We were just each <laughs> supposed to pick a couple of pieces to read. So I like how they both ended up being very dark. But you have to explain the doctor. So this is actually a continuation of a story that intertwines with this like weird mystical being who was essentially tortured for like decades in this okay. asylum that looked like a house. So okay. she thought that it was like her doctor doing these things to her, not realizing she was this like really powerful being, but he okay. was actually trying to break her to steal power from her. Oh. Yeah. So she eventually, you know, breaks out, does the whole thing, comes back because she needs to collect something from okay. this place and he's there. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to hear more about this piece. Maybe. Maybe. There's not a lot written about it. That's kind of just what I know okay. right now. So yeah, it could become something a lot bigger. I have the sulfur scent in my, my nostrils. Yeah. It's not a nice one. That's <laughs> <laughs> for sure. It's awful. But um, it gets you there. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, those are my two for the day. Okay. Well. I'm excited for these. I have poems. Bits. So there's two of them. And one is, um, well, I'll explain a little bit more after I read it. The other one is happy. So I'm going to read the other one first. And then we'll end on a happy note. <laughs> okay. And um, I'm just going to go into it. It's called Unwanting One. I am lethargic, trapped in a body that wants to travel with the light. Soak in the sun's rays, but I am devout of any feeling. I sit slumbering in a room filled with others. They do not notice me as I watch on. I do not interrupt their incessant chatter, laughter, prideful wanting, because I am empty. I stew as I wonder how they find the resolve to go on. They continue to touch, their eyes finding each other across the room. They do not care if I'm eavesdropping. I do not, because I am not and cannot, but wait. Someone sits beside me, too close. They are not bothered by me inching away. Instead, they lean closer and smile. Um, <laughs> that one is kind of more of a, a non-fictional piece, kind of meant for people who deal with depression and things like that. Um, so it's kind of like the idea that a person can be in a room filled with others and, and be completely be alone. alone. Yeah. And the end is someone reaching out and noticing this and just saying hi and reaching across that gap. Well, that's a little more pleasant than you put it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last one is called If. So if lilies bloomed beneath a quiet interlude of rustling leaves and giants swung from thick flower stems from branch to branch, bluebird babies chirping excitedly from their backpacks, would they smile down upon those they passed? giving each other a nod as they swung past each other, their enormous shoulders brushing ever so slightly, as the squirrels and sasquatch sat at the tippy tops of the elms, looking down upon them, all the while wishing they might be invited to join, if only they were asked. 
Oh, <laughs> I feel like that would ended sadder than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> this one's happy. Somehow. The Sasquatch and the squirrel like... <laughs> want to join in and swing from the limbs. It was like one shrouded in darkness, but ends really happy. The other is shrouded in light and then ends really dark. <laughs> but they're wanting to be joined in. It's like a yin and yang. You had a good combo there. <laughs> so, yeah. So I hope you enjoyed our first podcast. Yes, thank you. We're hoping that you'll give us some feedback on improving what you want to hear more about, um, even like a word to kind of spin a story or idea. Um, you can reach us at incrediblyboringbookworms at gmail.com. Um, so we would love to hear from you and give us feedback on this one and future ones. We're also on Instagram. Um, we have the Incredibly Boring Bookworms Instagram page. We have our Coven of the Quartz Sisters Instagram page, which is our co-authoring um, book series about witches who yeah. fight against everything that's actually like very normal and yeah. real in the world. Very real. Yes. In a very so, fantastical kind of in way. In a very fantastical. I like that. <laughs> and then I have my page, which is Veruca C. Elliot. Yeah. And I have mine. It's just Rosalie.Viper. So that's everything. So we hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.